This call is being recorded. <laughs> oh, I know. Isn't isn't that great? Okay, I will start it's, here. It's, no, keep keep it going. That's a great intro because people don't, people people don't know this, but uh, to start when it when it's ready to record, this woman in a very suggestive manner says, "Your call is now being recorded." <laughs> Everyone, it's Kirk Henderson back with Kirk, back with Kirk here. Enthusiasm. I have my good friend here, Adam Mares of Denver Stiffs. Now, Adam and I go back. What are we? What is it, about four, three, four years now? We met in Las Vegas at NBA Summer League. Yeah, yeah. It, we 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 got to. You know, a bunch of us uh, writers uh, would stay in basically what was a ginormous uh, frat house that SB Nation helped pay for. <laughs> and we would drink a little too much and talk basketball or argue about music or whatever till the middle of the night. And, you know, a lot, a number of us have stayed friends. And I would consider Adam, uh, uh, in, 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 you know, not something I would have cons- uh, imagined four years ago, probably one of my one of my better friends, because he and I end up talking with a number of our other uh, uh, other writers on group chats every day about basketball related stuff. Uh, like I said I, earlier, he is. Go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, I think I talked to you as much as I talk to anybody. <laughs> So, so yeah. Isn't that kind of weird? You sit there, you sit there, and it's like, okay, who are the people that I talk to every day? My wife, my children, strangers from the internet, uh, (laughs) and 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 then maybe my parents, like kind of in a power ranking. So, um, uh, like like I said earlier, uh, Adam is the you know editor in chief of a very very good Denver Stiffs blog, as well as the uh, uh head host of the locked on nuggets podcast which i believe you just hit your 500th episode that's right 500 episodes How on... i think i'm at 502 now and, and you also do a weekly podcast on the locked on network with uh anthony Irwin of silver screen and roll is that right you know what's funny about that one is it's it, it has a funny appeal. My dad texted me the other day telling me how much he loves that one, which I would, you know, I would never – I don't know if that's a good endorsement or not because my dad's, you know, 50-something years old and, you know, just – I don't know that he's our target target demo, but um, nonetheless, yeah, he seems to love it. So to do that one with Anthony Irwin, our other good friend. Well, I want to circle back around to the Denver stuff later because, you know, the point of, of, of my podcast here, one of the things I want to do is expose our fan base to people outside of Dallas. Dallas, and I'm sure Denver has this problem too, you know, when you, with your with your uh, uh, fan bases, they can be really kind of cloistered and cut off for outside sources of, of uh, information. And so that's why it's always funny to me when, when I get yelled at for not thinking the Mavs are going to be a playoff team um, when it seems <laughs> yeah. when it seems like a lot of people don't think they're going to be a playoff team that's neither here nor there um well no actually that is kind of what i wanted to talk about so you know what do you think as kind of an outside observer and really a a you consume a lot of basketball uh beyond the nuggets what do you really think about the mavericks heading into the season um i not a whole lot to be honest with you what i think about them is that they have two players who are really good and ideally a, a, a players that can form the cornerstone of a nice, successful, long, long, slow process, which I think for markets like Denver and Dallas, I think it's very difficult to create a a contender in one off-season or two off-seasons. I think it's better to kind of think long-term and 
I, I think that Luca and, and KP are two guys that you look at and say, okay, you do things right. You take a long view, maybe a three, four, five year view. And I, I think you can create a really nice lasting um, team to, to have some lasting success. So I don't think much of them in the short term, but you have two pieces and those pieces are the most important thing. Is there, would it, is it sort of one of these things where for Dallas to be even a kind of a fringe playoff contender, there's going to have to be things that happen to other teams in the West uh, in the, in the line of like injuries or really just teams kind of collapsing. Is that, is that kind of what's, what's going to be needed for them to even be a playoff potential? Playoffs are hard and, and you look at it. I think there's a handful of teams that are pretty much a lock barring a catastrophe. In fact, I think you could probably go down the line and make eight teams that are, in my opinion, clearly ahead of the pack. So I've, I've got those teams as Denver, Utah, Houston, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Warriors, the Spurs, and Portland. I think those. I think there actually probably should be some separation from the eighth seed and the ninth seed this year, unless there's some kind of major injury. But the problem I think Dallas runs into is I actually think there's a separation from nine, ten, and a, really nine and ten, but maybe eleven and what I consider to be the bottom four of which Dallas sort of falls into that group. So I don't see Dallas as even like sort of the next team up. I, I see them in that other tier behind the teams that are next team up. Would it be silly of me to think that like they might be in that tier yet somehow winning like 38 games? You know, just because of the way things are going to shake out? Because I think that like the playoff barrier – is going to be 45 games like that. That's in yeah, my head when right. I go through the like. And, and for, I know, I know people out there, particularly in Mavs land don't agree with me, but there's a world of difference between 45 and 38 games. Like the seven games oh, is yeah. a massive oh, yeah. jump. Uh, teams just don't make double digit jumps and wins uh, anymore. You know, they went, the Mavericks went from 27 to 33. And I think going from 33 to even 40 would be just a, a, a huge victory for them. And it's, it's a little bit, I, I, I don't want to rain on people's parades. Like I've just, I'm, I'm taking all sorts of social media heat lately, just because like, I think there's, there's a core there, but they're, they, it, it's it's less about the Mavericks and more just about how good the West is. I mean, when you talk I, about, yeah, I think it's I think it's about the Mavericks too, though, Kirk. And, and here's so Denver's motto under the Tim Conley regime, and they've really been hitting this hard over the last like eight months or so, is that we don't want to skip steps. They had a lot of success over the last two seasons, and I think they could have made the mistake of being like, okay, we're you know, we can make the playoffs this year if we make a small sacrifice or whatever. And I think their whole thing has been, we don't want to cash in anything for like to speed things along or for like token success. And I think if Dallas was pushing for the playoffs this season, especially if it came at the expense of some of their, you know, more long-term, um, you know, planning, I, I think it's a, a mistake. I think oftentimes teams do that where they try to speed up their timeline or they think, oh, it would just be great for us to get in there and establish ourselves. But if you're paying, if you're sacrificing the future, even for a small little um, token uh, success there, I think it could really harm you. So I look at it and think you want Doncic and, and Porzingis to develop chemistry. Porzingis is coming back from an injury. Like, I don't think you want to play him in too many games. In, and I'm not talking about, like, sitting him a tons of games, but – you don't want to be in a position where it's like, oh, you're, 
you know, your knee's a little sore today, but we're, we're within one game of the eight seed. So we kind of need you to go. You don't want to be in that position. So I, I just don't think Dallas, they can talk playoffs. They can set goals, but I don't think Denver, uh, Dallas should be sacrificing too much to chase those goals. That's a really interesting way of looking at it. I didn't, I hadn't necessarily thought about it. My concern is is the timeline where we've seen so much in the last you know two years the players starting to exert their will and though even though Dallas just signed Porzingis to a five-year extension with a fifth-year player option and they in theory have have Doncic under contract for seven more seasons right. you know, assuming they it, it just it, they have time and and I think on the one hand in my head I worry about you know, doing what the New Orleans Pelicans did with Anthony Davis, which was essentially try to win now almost every step of the yeah. way. And by trying to win, they they really just stumbled repeatedly. But then you hear all like like there's all this talk about, you know, players forcing their way in and out of situations. And I wonder how long two really competitive guys are willing to give a situation like this. Hopefully a while. I'm just I you know Last year was the most Doncic has ever lost in his entire life. And so that that yeah. sort of thing just it it you know, we don't know enough about these two guys as players yet. And and uh I'm interested to hear kind of your thoughts on this and how it relates back to your European superstar in a little bit. But um so so where where are you on a guy like Porzingis? Because our fan base is super into him. I I, I really like his skill set. But I think that had he come from a market like Orlando, then we wouldn't kind of be as as high on him as as everyone is. Where I think there's just a little bit of a of a, a sticker shock uh, uh, price because he came from a place like New York where he got cool nicknames and had some great highlights. What do you think? There's certainly a little bit of that, um, you know, the New York bias, and and if you use Orlando, which is kind of like the perfect sort of team to throw in there because Orlando almost never gets talked about. So that, so it's, that, that part, there's certainly something to it, but I think more important for Porzingis, he's very intriguing to the casual fan and even to just the semi-invested fan. He's seven foot three. He, he has a lot of sizzle to his game, right? Like he's got the crossover. His highlights are really phenomenal. You know, he when at his best in short highlights, he looks incredible. And I think his upside is actually extremely high. I mean, the skill set that he has, and the stuff that, in theory, he can do w- with some frequency is, is really promising and really exciting. I think where he is at, you know, the last time he played, I think that part probably a little bit overrated. So I think fans maybe um, project more about what he is going to be or what he could be onto what he already is. But, I mean, that's the true of most players. So um, long story short, I think Porzingis is a heck of a player with a ton of upside but maybe at where he's at right now, and especially this coming up season, I mean, he just missed a year. Um, I don't know that he's going to walk right in and, and be this like version of himself that everybody kind of, I think, sees him being right off the bat. Yeah, I, I'm kind of of the opinion that he's in an ideal situation for him because yeah. – Luca is the better player right now. He he's 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 played basketball more recently. He doesn't have the injury track record. He's simply the more reliable player right now. And so I think being able to come in and you know have that partner who's already well established is going to allow him to find his game in a in a in a patient manner. Whereas in the Knicks, every time he'd come back from injury, something bad would happen because they would need him. 
And, you know, the Mavericks clearly need him this season, but he's he's not going to be their number one guy. And and I think that could work mm-hmm. to his benefit. Well, Chris, that's what's interesting about, you know, obviously in Denver here we have Jokic. So comparing a Porzingis to, to a Jokic is, is interesting in that I don't think a whole lot spirals off of Porzingis directly. He has this gravity. He stretches the court. He brings the big out on the perimeter. Like, he does a bunch of that kind of stuff. But he's not necessarily setting the table with, passes or you know you run a bunch of plays through him and he's kicking out of the post or whatever um but he does have a ton of gravity and I think that's what you're talking about with with Doncic is Doncic is the guy who's playmaking and setting the table and the ball's in his hands and and everything spirals off of him and that doesn't necessarily mean one you know one is more valuable or will be more valuable than the other um it just means that Doncic takes on the high usage ball in the hand role and Porzingis more of the like finisher stretch the defense kind of guy and and I agree with you I think for Porzingis coming back it actually does benefit him quite a bit to um to have another guy that can handle a lot of it's it's not even like the big shot making because I think you're going to give Porzingis the ball a lot late in situations and either clear out or run actions for him to get into the pinch post or whatever but just to have somebody take off the dribbling the ball up the court duties the initiating the offense duties and a lot of the other stuff that I think people overrate, this is the big thing with LeBron and, oh, he's going to play point guard this year. Having him be the lead playmaker is one thing, but having him do all the other things that point guards have to do that's exhausting is another. And with Porzingis, he doesn't have to do too much of the exhausting stuff, which I, I think that's kind of what you're hitting on. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a path where I think, you know, particularly in the early part of the schedule where he, he has the potential to to go out and score a bunch of points just because – teams aren't going to necessarily know how to guard that combo. It's going to be a lot of, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think to, to watch, uh, we'll be right back with Adam Mares after a quick break. We are back with Adam Mares of the Denver stiffs. All right, Adam. So you cover a top 10 player in the league in, in, in our, our, our dear friend, uh, Nikola Jokic. And he is simply He's he's really one of the most undercovered guys in the league, and really casual fans don't know a lot about him, I think, because there's constant mm-hmm. discussions about, you know, where he fits in the hierarchy. Yet he was the reason the Nuggets made the Western Conference finals this year. You know, he kind of drugged the team along uh, along the way. So what's it been like covering a guy like him? Because he seems like a really unique player for the modern NBA, not just because of his game, but also because of his personality. In short, it's been absolute bliss. I mean, I really do think he is as interesting and just as fun of a player to cover as I can possibly imagine. I mean, you know, LeBron prior to this was probably my favorite player to watch. And for good reason, he's a lot of people's favorite player. Jokic, I think in a completely different vein, just does things that you never see any other player do. His end-of-season highlight reels all four years feature at least two or three dozen plays that you're like, man, I've never seen that specific move or that specific pad. I've never seen that before. It's like he invented it. Um, so he's, he's a, a ton of fun to cover. He is a great personality. He's, he's a very funny guy. Um, he's very weird. I, I wonder if Doncic has this or not, but I think Jokic, he's a little bit of a, you know, a country, small town in Serbia guy. So he didn't grow up wanting to be famous and he has no desire to be famous or, or, or any of that stuff. And so there's this weirdness to him where you could tell he finds American fame really absurd. 
And he finds when people he he finds when people like want to know about personal things with him, like what he does with his weekend or stuff. Like he just gives them this look of like, why do you guys care about me? Like I just play basketball. Outside of that, I'm just boring. And and it's pretty funny the the how he he looks at like even accolades and people like being afraid to talk to him. He's like, I'm just a person, you know. American fame is very weird to him. Well, okay, so so understanding that, let's talk about his game specifically. What more can he get better at? Because, you know, you look at his mm. stat line and it is it's astounding. Like players outside of LeBron don't put up numbers like this. And, and so so what more can he do? Because, I mean, I, I think the, the casual fan would be shocked to learn that he's he's isn't he only 24 years old. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's not even yeah, in he's, he's not even in his he's not even close to his prime yet. So so like where does he go as he continues to 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 you know play basketball? Yeah, and it is it is funny, man, and and I'm not I years ago, maybe two two and a half seasons ago, I I was one of the people that was like, "Guys, this guy's incredible." And I I would like <laughs> want to argue when people were saying, "Oh, it's just, you know, whatever. Let's see if he actually." And I was like, "No, this guy's actually incredible. You guys are overlooking it." Now I don't care anymore because I think it, it's just so painfully obvious how impactful he is that I don't feel like you have to argue people too much about him. Um, but where he can get better, I, I think there's two areas I look at that, that he can really improve his game. And both of them he's sort of already making strides on. The first one was sort of accepting the, the idea that he has to be assertive as a scorer. He, he's a guy that I think is a very reactive player. He reads the defense and then makes his decision based on what he what the players or what the t- defense is giving him. And I think for the best players, and when you're the number one option and and all that stuff, sometimes a lot of times you have to do that. But sometimes you have to force the defense to react to you and sort of impose your will. And I think, especially in the back half of this last season, and certainly in the playoffs, I think he found the right balance of okay, I'm not you know they're not giving me pockets to make plays in maybe guys aren't making shots or whatever, how do I force them to either change their coverage or just force them to react the way I want? And as a result, he averaged 25 points in the playoffs, which is up from his season average of 20. I think he's just kind of learning um, how to be more assertive. And then the last part, you know, his three-point shot, he shot um, 30, 30%, I think, on the season last year. Um, yeah, 30.7. So his three-point shot, when it's on, I think offensively he's pretty much unguardable. Um, when it's off, you, you know, there's certain things you can kind of do to make it uncomfortable. But if he can become a 40% three-point shooter, to me, he's great on the block. He, he'll post up if you go small. And then if, if, if you put a big on him, he's got that outside perimeter, you know, facilitating game. So I, I think those two areas are where he can most improve. And then defensively, I don't, I don't know how much he can get quicker, but I do think he's getting and can get a lot smarter defensively and maybe even become sort of a, Mark Gasol caliber defensive anchor because I just don't think he's ever going to be laterally quick enough to like defend in space. Yeah, and there is value in just being an enormous human. I think that that I this is the thing that I'm always shocked by whenever I see these guys in person, which I just don't get to as much as you do. But so many of these NBA players are exceptionally lean. And this is where his kind of heft is is really kind of a, a, a value, even though we uh, people kind of joke about it. I think just being an enormous person is is helpful on defense at times. Um, have it's you Doncic? Hold on though, because Doncic has this too. And and I look, I think Doncic. There's no doubt that being a little bit leaner 
will benefit him just because quickness, especially on the wing, is more important. But I do think that there's this idea that, you know, oh, the perfect, especially for bigs, that, oh, they need to be Dwight Howard. If you can become Dwight Howard, you think about how much better you are. Jokic really uses his, his size to his advantage in a way that's like, um, he, he talked about it. Two years ago, he came back from the, from the Olympics, and he was as thin as ever. And he was beating guys off the dribble. He had more dunks. And he was, you know, there were some real positives to that. But this year, he came back at his heaviest weight, and he talks about how much more comfortable he is with it because he really does know how to, like, if you try to go even just a little bit small, say Dwight Powell, who's a tall guy, but he's not necessarily, like, girthy, you try to put one of those types on him, he just, like, throws his gut into him and turns around and, and just, like, <laughs> bully balls him. And, and it's a real asset for him. So there is a lot of fat shaming, and, and I think people thinking everybody has to be Dwight Howard, but different body types succeed <laughs> in the NBA, and that's what's so I, cool about it. It's really – it's it's such a – bigger guys are just rarer in the NBA, and it's funny yeah. watching – because Luca did have this working for him as well, where he'd post players up, and guys don't know what to do about that when they get these big, strong bodies banging into them because they're just so used to being powerful or kind of on the same level. It's why, like, a guy like LeBron obviously stands out because of that strength. But, like, the heftier guys, it's it's a little bit – it's it's really funny to watch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, and I think both guys, like, like you talked about, using your body to your advantage, it, it's really – there's pluses and minuses to every type body type. I think Boris Diaw, who's one of my favorite all-time players, he was another guy that was like this. He was so skilled and so smart that he could afford that extra weight because then he knew how to use it to, to you know, he set better screens or, or box people out in certain ways or just be big and, and kind of beat them with his gut. And Jokic, I think, has really, really mastered that as well in a way that people always laugh and think, oh, man, imagine if he ever got in shape. And I'm thinking, I think he's actually in – his lungs are great. He played 65 minutes in a playoff game and was very good through all four overtimes. I think his conditioning is good. I think his weight is actually a bonus to to what he's trying to do. The the last Jokic related question I have: Have you gotten to see any of his uh, the the FIBA World Cup games? And if if so, like how, how's he yeah. doing over there? Yeah, he's looking really good. Um, I, I, I've, I've had two. I've watched one and a half, and these are on, like, illegal streams, so it's kind of frustrating to try to watch him that way, but it's the only way I can get it. Um, and he's looked really, really good. He didn't practice with the team. I think he had one practice, so you could tell guys are off. But in the first game, fourth quarter, he took over and just dominated, come from behind win. And then in this last game, I think he was a plus 18 in, like, 14 minutes or something. So he's he's, he's just – He's one of those guys, and again, I know your listeners are getting annoyed at this, but he's one of those guys that is just a basketball genius. He's like, I always come, he's like goodwill hunting, and that his basketball brain he doesn't have to try for. It's just there. I don't know if it's IQ or, or instinct or feel or whatever you want to call, but it just, I don't think there is a, he might not be in game shape, midseason form or whatever, but his brain is always in midseason form. So it, he looks, he looks really good. Okay, so I want to ask one more Denver related question. And no, my fans are 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 not going getting annoyed because the the whole purpose of my pod here is I want to expand <laughs> our listeners' horizons. And you know, I I've heard some interesting comments about teams in your division and about how uh, certain parts of our fan base just don't think they're that good. Now, that really relays right into my next question. It was an eventful offseason. You know, we you and I were together yeah. whenever uh Paul whenever Paul George 
and Kawhi Leonard went to the Clippers. One of the more fun times I've I've had making fun of Lakers great. fans. Uh, but for it's just kind of a, a wild off season, and and Denver seemed to have you know really kind of a quiet off season. You know the I I, I was I was with you whenever they traded for. Uh, Jeremy Grant, which you know, a lot of of smart basketball people seem to think that's that's a really underrated move. So first, could could you explain to me why Jeremy Grant is an underrated move, and then second, where do you kind of see Denver stacking up in the West heading into to the year? What I like about Jeremy Grant is he provides, I think, two things that you really need to to play alongside Jokic as the power forward. Number one, defensively, he just he scrambles. He's a hustler. He's a help side guy. I think he'll provide some rim protection as a weak side, like backside rotation guy. Again, I think Jokic defensively is a lot better than people give him credit for. He's good positionally. He can force guys to take the long way around him. They'll still get around him, but you know he'll at least make him go the long way. So if you have that backside helper like Millsap has been, but you, you add some athleticism to it in Jeremy Grant, I, I think that can be really good. But why I'm really excited about him, when Jokic and Kenneth Reed played together, for two seasons, I think over that span, they had a 126 or something like that offensive rating on a really good sample size. I mean, they started together for large portions of, of two seasons. And they just were dominant offensively because you put two shooters around Jokic on, or three shooters around Jokic on the wing, which Denver has. And then you put one guy who's just a very springy athlete in the dunker spot. And you basically have gravity on the baseline, gravity on each wing and gravity at the top of the key. And it just opens everything up, and Jokic is such a maestro. The more you could spread that defense out, the more Jokic just kind of like bends the defense to wherever he wants them to go and then makes drop-off passes. So I think Jeremy Grant, very good jumper, um, you know, can shoot the corner three a little bit. I, last year he was on fire, so I don't know if that's real or just an outlier, but he can shoot it a little bit at least. And then a springy athlete. I just don't know how you're going to be able to guard Denver when him and Jokic are on the court together. So I, I think it's a great fit. Uh, and and there's a lot to be said about about continuity. I, I think that's been overlooked in the in the transaction game as teams get you know as things get kind of more and more uh, weird out there in the NBA. So it's it's I, I think the Denver continuity makes them fairly fairly scary for 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 Western Conference teams. I wouldn't be shocked if they ended up as as a top two to three team again. It's just really the way things are going. Yeah. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I, I enjoy, you know, talking basketball with you. I, I need to have Anthony on as well, uh, where I can. Oof, that'll you know, be a tough one. Oof. Well, it, right, because you know things about basketball and Anthony doesn't, which is why <laughs> you and he are such a great combo. But you know, you told me before we hopped on here that you had a a good idea for a recurring bit for me, and I didn't really want to be spoiled by it. I wanted to, to do this, to, you know, do it live. <laughs> so why, why don't you walk me through what you think I ought to be doing here on this podcast? Well, well, I think because it's Kirk, your enthusiasm, and because your general, I think, presence in real life is that of, like, the disgruntled Larry David who <laughs> just wants to be out of the situation, and I think asking your guests to give their hottest take about their favorite player or whatever, um, and then at the exact – you cut off the podcast with the Curb Your Enthusiasm music at the exact moment when the hot take becomes unbearable for you. Oh, yeah, but see, so you just I, drown it out in in, in the sound. That that could be fun, but the problem is, I'm like, after being on social media for like a decade, I'm really like hot takes just kind of wash over me. Like I don't even feel things anymore. <laughs> um, it, it's. 
I think like, like, like at the uh, Academy Awards when somebody starts talking too long and they play the music to like get them off the stage. That's just kind of how I, I, I envision it of like, all right, Adam, tell me your uh, hottest take about Jokic and then maybe 15 seconds in, you're like, all right, music just, starts. Just completely, just completely cut them <laughs> off. Yeah, that, that, that would be something. <laughs> Well, okay, so uh, we're going to have to do this again at some point during the season where I where I get, you know, at least much more immediate takes. Right now we're just kind of in like the dead of basketball, which is, you know, just the perfect time for me to start a podcast so I can ramble on about whatever. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this season. I, I, I'm, I'm terrified of the Denver Nuggets. And I am really <laughs> glad that, that you took, uh, you know, a little bit of your Tuesday night to come and talk to me. Well, don't don't be too beat up or terrified or any of that stuff. You have to remember, and this is my motto in life, Kirk, we all suffer together. And whether your season ends in playoffs or ends in uh, a lottery pick, you know what? You have a lot of people to suffer alongside you, including myself. So you'll, you'll, you'll be fine. <laughs> all right, guys. This has been Adam Mars of Denver Stiffs and Locked On Nuggets. Thank you very much, and we will talk soon.